0: Okay, good morning, Kat, and good evening, Kerry Thomas. So lovely to have you back on our podcast to talk more about a um, super interesting and highly relevant topic that everyone should know about, which is your thoughts and ideas on herd dynamics. Good so, morning. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, welcome back. Alrighty, so I want to kick off this because the first podcast was very popular. I had a lot of feedback from it. Um, people really, you know, really intrigued by the um, the ideas of herd dynamics and and horses sensory soundness and, and, and all kind of the introduction that you did in that first podcast. Um, and a lot of interest in horse herds and how to keep horses, but also a lot of interest in just say separation anxiety. So I wanna start with a bit of a scenario that I'd like to kick off the conversation with, because I think this, is, this really sets the scene to really understand the impact of a horse's herd dynamics and their sensory soundness and emotional processing and etc. cetera. Okay, so there's this thing that people can experience with their horse at home, they're riding their horse around and, you know, the horse is going really well. And so they get inspired to take it to just a show or, you know, adult riding club event or something like that. So the horse works really beautifully at home. Then they go and take it to the show or the clinic (laughs) or the event. And the horse just acts like it doesn't know anything. It's you know, quite frantic, it's calling out, it's got, and people will label that with like, it gets stuck to another horse. So it's got, it becomes, it's got separation anxiety or it's herd bound or it's buddy sour. So I'm really interested in, what you can tell us about a horse's instinctive behavior to do with its kind of its natural makeup versus its learned behavior. Cause it's learned behavior is able to flow at home, but as soon as it gets to the show or the event or whatever, it all falls apart. So can you tell us about this? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's, inter- it's interesting because here I always say, they say, Oh, care, I got my horse to the, to the show. And, and the wheels fell off, you know, my just, he just didn't do, or, you know, everything that we needed to do. And, you know, there is a there's a big difference between a horse's instinctive tendencies and and learned behaviors. And instinctive tendencies are really they're the basic instinct within the herd dynamic. And if they have any outsourcing or whatever whatever is going to happen with them emotionally, you know, in their normal environment, they begin to adapt. And mm-hmm. the the instinctive tendency can be you can kind of hone that to, to be expressed athletically. You know in a consistent environment and you know horses tend to tend to have that but the learned behaviors are things that are really predicated upon the associative aspect okay so if there's anything in in the home environment per se and you take them to a new environment and again like i said before you know when you when you remove the herd horse you know when you remove the horse from the herd you're you're isolating that psychology so you're isolating the strengths and the weaknesses and when you take them out of out of a comforting environment, what you end up doing is you end up taking the horse to a, a different area that has to like to learn behavior. So what you try to teach the horse is going to be predicated upon what he is associating that with. And mm-hmm. if there's stress in the new environment or it's an unfamiliar environment, and he has gaps in the sensory sequence and he has trouble interpreting it, you know those associations can go off the rails. You know he he can go from at home expressing himself or herself, you know, in an athletic manner or in a calm manner in a very similar circumstance, but you take that out and you move it to a different location. And, and now the, it, the whole thing changes, you know, and, and, that, and that's psychological. That is not not a physical thing, unless you have an injury, obviously, but that is a, that is a mental thing. And yeah. the change of the environment is, is uh, can be very traumatic for a worse.
0: Yeah, cool. So, can we can we pick this apart a little bit more? Um, because I just think this is so important and relevant. So, with um, with with the horses' herd dynamics, it's like it's 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 natural. It's, it strengthens its weaknesses, as you said. Like it's it's strength and weakness in terms of its sensory soundness and ability to process. But horses also do this collective emotional processing. Yes. Okay. So. And, and they'll have, you know, the strengths and weaknesses associated with that. So when they're at home, they learn, as you say, to adapt. So their strengths and weaknesses, they learn to, you know, habituate to the environment where they're at home. They learn the patterns and the routines and they get some comfort out of that. Um, but then, so they learn to kind of the, the they learn to function within that environment. And right.
1: within- I wanted to interject The learned behaviors are based on, that environment yes you know but 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 they're flowing through the the inherent tendencies okay so those inherent tendencies are how they're responding to that and in in a comfortable environment in a in a a similar situation where they have the same you know fence the same other horses the same saddle the same everything is it's pretty much you know uh every day you know the same song yeah you know those those any holes that they may have are not going to be As uh, loudly expressed.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's because the the platform that's there is the same. So their sensory abilities, their visual and audible and 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 touch and everything, it's all the same. So there's no challenge to the sensory system. Right. Is that what you're saying?
1: Right. That's exactly what it is. And and so they, you know, now it's important to note though, like those like the the issues that they're going to have like out of that environment or issues that they're still having in the home environment, if yeah. you will, but yeah. they're just not. But but they're comforted with that blankie. Like this is home. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have the same thing. I have the same thing going on. I have my routine. Um, my my psychological issues and my sensory issues are still there, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be expressed in quite the same manner until you add the weight of stress of a different environment. Yeah. And then what happens is what you've been teaching the horse. If you're not teaching the horse through its inherent tendencies and you're trying to teach it to do things that are not necessarily in its wheelhouse as yeah. far as understanding and comprehension and interpretive aspect mm-hmm. and you think you got it down and are doing okay pretty good at home uh, we're going to try you know a show and we're going to ship out and by the time we get there uh, somebody who, who changed this horse in my trailer because I opened this trail rubber, and it's not the same horse I put in there
0: <laughs> yeah. So what what's happening to that horse when it gets off that trailer?
1: Uh, e- emotional stress is building up. Yeah. You know it, that that anxiety, and it's kind of like, um, you know, even for me, like I, if I'm if I'm going on a, a show, and you know, you have this, you know, what you want to say, you practice it and practice it and all that. And then you get in front of your audience, and you're like, oh my God, I can't talk. <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> like every, everything just changes. I'm like, what am I going to say to these people? You know, I give a clinic and it's like, ooh, okay, you got to get through the first one. But it's it's just, you know, it's that change. No matter how much you prepare, you, you can never prepare for uh, what's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you can practice all you want and you can, you can go through the routine. You can go through the drums. You can go through the flying lead changes and you can do all these things uh, in, in your home arena. But then, when you go into a different environment where everything's everything is different, um, you're further isolating that horse. So you're yeah. you're further isolating the individual aspects of that horse. Yep. Yeah. Where at home they can be kind of smoothed over.
0: Yeah. So they're being comforted so, by the, that blankie. The 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 environment right. um, exactly. can do it exactly. So that all kind of gets ripped away when, and stripped away when they're out.
1: Right. Because because the in- instinctive tendency is how a horse learns without us. The learned behaviors are what we're trying to teach the horse. And yeah. so if, if, we, if we're not trying to teach the horse, if, if the learned behaviors are counterproductive to the inherent tendencies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to have a lot of attrition there. Yeah. And Can we only, talk about only- that?
0: Can you yeah, dig into yeah. that? When the inherent yes, tendencies clash yes. with the learned behavior, t- unpick that for us a little bit more. That really fascinates me.
1: Well, it, it's it's such an important thing because and the reason I'm even talking about this right now is because I'm on a case that we are evaluating here in the states uh, with a thoroughbred, you know, a, a racehorse, and i have watched this horse's, you know twenty some races and, and and it's like the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, different race, same horse, same same scenario, and yet you talk to the to the trainers and they're they're doing this, that, and the other thing, and it kind of dawned on me, you know, they're not training. What we're seeing happen in the horse's inherent tendency under stress, how the horse is expressing themselves, is not the matter in which the horse is being coached. So, you know, so they're coaching the horse to do what quote-unquote we want it to do, what we think it should do, the type of running style, the type of pattern, and things like that, but those are not the way the horse processes the environment, so those do not align. And if they do not align, if, if we don't take time to understand all the little nuances of the the heart dynamic and, and the instinctive tendencies under stress, you know, we're not going to be able to coach through those. Mm. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have, you're going to hit a plateau. Mm. You know, you're going to hit a plateau in your training and it's going to be very, very frustrating.
2: Hey, Kat, so- your ears pricked up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Change those inherent things or are those just going to be the same from the horses when they're born through their whole lives
1: there you you're not going to change that you, you can't you can't erase that you know that's that's just those are inherent basic instincts in uh, the manner of expression of of the individual horse so that's why so and they obviously they will um grow and and over time and you can kind of nurture them that's yep. why i always say you nurture the horse you develop the athlete because you yeah. have to nurture the psychological aspects uh, of the operating system to get yeah. to, to maximize physical talent, and you know if we miss steps in that by misunderstanding, you know now we're we're we're, we're skipping spaces and we have a, an engine that's only running on you know four cylinders when it has eight uh, yeah. accessible, but we're not, we're only using half of those because we tried to to go too fast uh, or we tried to circumvent certain things.
2: So what kind of things are really important in nurturing the growing or developing horse? Like what sort of things?
1: Yeah. You know, what I have found is it's, it kind of goes back to the lack of patience. I mean, you know, we, we, we have to be very, very patient in our understanding of uh, what we're trying to teach the horse because first of all, you have to really understand your students before you can, before you can really accurately write their curriculum Mm -hmm. and for horses you're you're writing a curriculum for each for each individual's psychology and all the different layers that go with that and then we're trying to teach it generally in an isolated classroom when the the student is students whole world is based on the family structure and Mm -hmm. we pluck them out of that at, at a young age or whatever and we're trying to you know we have a, a person in the saddle, we have a trainer, and we have the horse often. We have three, three energies going on, and sometimes yeah. they're not always aligned, you know, uh, and, and if you don't have those things aligned, uh, it all starts with the horse. You know, as you know, from, a, as, from your farrier work, everything starts with the feet and works its way up, you know, yeah. and from, from, a, from a psychological standpoint, you know, from a, an operating system standpoint, it starts between the ears and works its way yeah. down. Uh, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I always tell people when I'm giving a clinic or, or coaching them with from for riding the fluency, it is your mind through the horse's body. Yeah, that that's the flow that needs to happen, you know. Um, so I think I got way off task there, which I, I normally do. I just wander off on myself. Oh, that's there. OK. I'll,
0: I will bring you back. I'll bring you back. No, yeah, go
3: ahead. Okay.
1: OK,
0: so can you give? Oh, sorry. I,
2: so, sorry, cat. repeat that. I said I have a quick question. Can we just go over? You mentioned out, outsourcing before. Can you remind us what that is?
1: Yeah, outsourcing is when you know if a horse has, has a difficulty on their own interpreting the environment, yeah. whether it's a sensory issue or not, or whether it's just an interpretive issue, they're going to outsource to something else in the environment. In the natural horse world, it's going to be another horse. Yeah. And, and if if we if the horse is not in uh, a herd dynamic environment that's suitable to them they can be with other horses but they could each have the same issues going on so guess what now we now everybody's trying to outsource and there's all kinds of chaos going on because you have three horses and, and all three are trying to outsource to each other and they're like I don't know the answer do you know the answer I don't know the <laughs> answer do you know the answer so they they end up just going in circles you know so that's that that's the outsourcing is is when they yeah. go outside of themselves to understand their environment
0: yeah. yeah, can I ask you because I my theory is is that you can get them to outsource to you. To
1: Yes, to me. yes, so, you 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 can.
0: Yeah, that's why when you know if someone's got really bad anxiety and they've mm-hmm. lost their confidence how they really feed the horse, but I can go hang on to it. I can just take yeah. a lead rope or whatever and it instantly just goes like yeah. it just can't. as long as I can get its attention and get it to focus on me, it And be and that that out. can be
1: a challenge sometimes, but yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. yeah. All right, I got a question. I'm going to bring you back to this clash when you got a clash between these forces in inherent tendencies versus the way it's being coached. So, can you give me an example of where there might be like a practical example of what a clash might look like?
1: Um, geez, there's yeah, there's there's several different ways. I guess I guess I would give you an interesting example with uh, uh, one of my cases was a for show jumping.
4: Yep. So here
1: in the states, there's a a big show jumping. Event uh, at Devon Horse Show. You may have may or may not have heard yeah. Devon Horse yeah. Show here in the states. Devon's a, is a big deal. I had a client um, going to Devon, and long story short, you know the the horse was having a, a difficult time interpreting a jump, inter- interpreting jumps at a certain speed, and we they didn't know that was it was it was the speed that that was. But the, the inherent tendency was that the horse needed to have enough time to as it changed heights okay so they were trying to it, it would want to slow itself down just by nature to interpret what was going on then would kind of rabbit hop over the jump well that's not going to work <laughs> you know you know walk up and then rabbit jump over you know and then, and then lollygag around because the clock is ticking so they were they were trying to uh well the horse could do the jump very easily but it just didn't do it in the time frame that was necessary to to compete okay. so they were like, "Well, the horse can do it. We're going to have to speed this. You've got to speed these beats up. You got to get around this. You know, the clock is ticking. We got to get over this jump, get to the next jump, yeah. and so on and so forth." But during that course of that time, it was not. It was a the natural tendency was the horse needed to slow in between, yeah, to okay. go through it properly. And the humans wanted to teach it to go faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what would happen okay. is that sometimes he would do it. But there would be anxiety building up
4: yeah, okay. in between
1: in between the jumps. So yeah. you would think, so you're teaching the horse, you know, to go over the jump in time, make the turn, go over the next jump. But while that was going on, they were not being fully processed.
0: Yeah. So
1: his natural tendency took over and he's like, no, I'm going to refuse this next jump until I get my yeah. wits about me. Okay. So what yeah. we had to do was we had to, we had to kind of trick the psychology. And one of the things I did was was I had the horse uh, approach the jump and and decelerate and not and not do the jump.
0: Yeah. So I
1: kept I kept changing the speeds of the psychological interpretation until I got the psychological interpretation to match the desired pace uh, for the for the actual event. So that's that's interesting.
0: So wouldn't someone would go? Oh, but you're letting the horse pull out of the jump or, or something like that. Like if you're allowing it slow, then it didn't have to jump. Or would you just turn away from it or something like that? Yeah. No, well, we, we,
1: I I would, I would have the horse. I wanted to make sure the horse didn't shy away from the jump. Didn't, didn't turn, didn't throw the rider. It didn't go left or right. Didn't, you know, I didn't want the horse to refuse. um, Ah, so you just stopped it. Yes. Right. So, so in, in order to keep it it in, in an athletic format, in order to keep control of the environment, we just changed what was what was being asked. So instead of trying to approach the jump and the horse finally get fed up and, and refuse, uh, you know, go to the left, go to the right, or throw, throw the rider off, mm. you know, and then you have a rider with anxiety. Am I going to get thrown? Am I not going to get thrown? When okay. am I going to get thrown? Because I know I'm going to get thrown. You know, you have all these emotions going okay. into it. So instead of we, we you find a happy medium mm. with the instinctive tendency,
4: yeah, and
1: then the learned behavior. So we wanted to teach the horse that uh how to interpret it faster on it on his own terms yeah and it took a little bit more time but mm-hmm. once we got over that hump then then the instinctive tendency and the learned behavior began to mesh and yeah. she went on and got third place
0: oh, That was awesome so did it look like this so you just allowed the horse to slow down come to a stop in front of the jump just and asked it to hold and then after your yeah, the horse, it got you. Just kept training and training that horse, looking towards that jump, looking towards that jump, looking towards that jump,
1: yes, and then yes.
0: over it. Is that and how And then it over worked? it. And, and what yeah. I, what
1: I did was I wanted I wanted to create the I wanted to basically trick the psychology because he began to anticipate this is what you're going to ask me to do, and I'm not going to want to do it. Yeah. So okay. instead of so I wanted to to trick the psychologist so that you had you have to remove. To, in, order to, in order to circumvent the um, natural tendency like that, the instinctive tendency, and to overlay that with a learned behavior that works with it, you know, yeah. you, you can't, yeah. you, you kind of have to trick the, the psychology. Yeah. And so by doing that, you have to erase the anticipatory response mechanism Yeah. because yeah. it began to anticipate what you're going to ask me to do. So you had to backtrack and you had yeah. to hit the reverse button mentally. And you're not giving into the horse. You're still giving the horse a task, yeah. but the task is in the same environment but is, it is a different task yeah okay so it it changes the interpretive aspect yeah and so what that does that helps to align up you know that gets the 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 harmony between the instinctive expression and the, and the learned expression you know that brings those two together uh without deviating from the actual goal which is hey we need to get around this arena in so many seconds
0: <laughs> yeah so you just had to like break it up find out what the weaknesses yes. were and so this horse's weakness was just a change in height so it was okay at one height but an increased height triggered it
1: it was it was it in- increased heights and in, in, you know physically the horse could probably jump over the moon yeah but mentally he was like no no i'm not 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 today i'm not going to yeah. it today you know
0: <laughs> yeah that's really interesting um Out of interest, do you have like a racehorse type one, like working with um, a natural tendency for speed and running certain distances and how training looks like with that?
3: Yeah,
1: we often because that's the area I work in the most, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it really comes down to matching the um, pattern of motion with the psychological rhythms, you know, and, and you may... To buy yourself time in motion to eat up the time, the, the physical distance, you know, and to, to minimize the emotional stress of that time it takes to do it. Um, it with horses that don't have a real strong or hard dynamic but have a lot of physical ability. Mm. What you what we like to do is we like to get the, the the mental rhythm can feed off of the physical rhythm of the horse. So finding a physical rhythm in a crowd to let the the psychology kind of harmonize from that. Yeah.
0: Is and that some because- horses
1: you can do it in in opposite.
0: Yeah sorry can I just interrupt there so let's just say so you've got a, a rhythm that you're putting the horse in that's not stressing it it's not it's not triggering it to become uncomfortable as such which right. then goes and makes it emotionally processed with everybody else yes, that it's yes. running with so it's finding like a particular speed that's not too slow that's making it kind of worried about being too slow and not a speed that's going too fast which is triggering it's finding that middle ground which then you can nurture them from is that what it's is that what it would look it, like
1: it is it, it is and you know one of the most interesting things to do is is to find the kind of the launching pad because you can have a horse that is not her dynamically capable of taking down another horse that they're in a race with
4: oh really but they, they can't have, overtake but, it yep
1: <laughs> yeah but but they have they have the physical talent to run with or run faster than you know, from a physical standpoint, but mentally they're just not really going to go head to head and take you down. Mm -hmm. But what you do in a situation like that is you, you basically, you, you kind of cover the horse up, you hide the horse in the crowd Mm -hmm. and you kind of just sneak your way through, you know, using the physical rhythms and you you're conserving emotional energy. And then the way to do that is, is to try to, you know, to kind of launch the horse into a long run Mm -hmm. and they're physically past their competitor, before they realize mentally like, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. He's going to be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's all about timing because uh, if, if they can slingshot past a stronger herd dynamic, that's your best case scenario to, mm. to do that. So you have your instinctive tendency is that I'm a lower totem pole horse and you know, in, in a natural environment, I'm not going to go past him. Like I belong off of his flank and that's where I belong. And that's where I'm comfortable because I'm outsourcing to him. Yeah. So to but yet your learn behavior is we need to launch past that. We don't want you to have second itis. We want you to win a few races. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? So your learn behavior is you're working with the natural tendency that's kind of hovering, and then you have that one, you know, long run that's mm-hmm. kind of I pop out of the crowd, I, I jump out out of the bushes, and here I am, you know, and I have my I have momentum. And I'm all of a sudden I'm past you. Oh, I'm sorry. I got past you, but, oh, I'm, I just won. So yeah. here I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really smart training, smart riding and understanding that horse is individual. It's it's individual herd dynamics. That's a really and, and,
1: awesome. And, you know, it's just so frustrating okay. because there's so many horses that have so much untapped potential, yeah. but we have to get out of their way. You know, the, the humans have to get out of the way sometimes yeah. and, and let the horse- you know, train through the natural herd dynamics, not antagonistic to it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, That actually makes me want to ask a question because people, when they go on trial rides with other horses, there'll be a horse that wants to go in front and gets very Mm -hmm. anxious about wanting to lead. What can you tell us about those horses that want to get in front? What does that mean?
1: Well, you know, a lot of times it means that the horses that they're around, they just don't trust. Um, (laughs) They, you know, honestly, it's kind of like you know, I'm not letting you lead me through those woods, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're, especially if they're with horses that, that are new, you know, it takes some time for horses to shuffle, you know, the, the herd, in, the hierarchy can take time to, to work its, to sort itself out. Yeah. So if you're trail riding with horses, or even if it's just one horse that you're used to being with, but if there's a couple of horses that are new, um, there can be some shuffling going on. So there can be some, I want to rush up front. I want to lag behind. Um, All kinds of different things go on, especially if you're trying to do it single file, Mm. uh, which is really not the natural way to to force us to move often. Um, They kind of put themselves in in the jigsaw puzzle uh, around each other
0: yeah could it also be because of, like a lot of horses just grow up in a domesticated environment and they don't get to form their herd dynamics is all like uninformed
3: that, unformed.
1: They, that happens so a they've lot got no a-
0: trust because they've got no experience of doing it you know they've been in a well, way
1: exactly right it's up. kind of like you, you like you, if you raise a kitten in the house and it never goes out yes. and you have an inside cat and then you have an outside cat well yeah. the outside cat's going to kick his butt if he comes out you know yeah, it's yeah. just he's, he, he's used to that environment and the inside cat just doesn't want to go outside, you know? So mm. it is, it is really what you are um, used to, mm. you know, because horses assimilate very well, very naturally, uh, despite themselves, uh, mm. if, despite their uh, sensory right. issues, they, they still yeah. will assimilate yeah, to the best of their ability. And so mm. when you change that, yeah. And and you were talking about separation anxiety. That's yeah. part of that.
0: Oh, can you that's talk great. a little bit more about what well, your thoughts on that? Like, well, you know. Um, the, the,
1: the separation anxiety.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love to hear more thoughts on that. Yeah. Because that's yeah, how I well, found you. You know that. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah. In yeah. It was my research yeah, well, you- into separation anxiety that led me to your your work. And it was like, whoa, this explains a lot. And also it gave me, I, I will just add on because I would like to talk about it, made me realize that if you understand herd dynamics or horses, like ind- it's been individual natural tendencies as you've just talked about, you can actually be smarter in buying horses.
4: Oh can, yes.
0: Oh yeah, and that's why I said this is <laughs> gold, guys. This is what you need to know about because this can give you another framework to assess a horse. Yes. Yeah, well, so- you know, and
1: I I always tell folks because you know, that's a, a biggest part of our of our of our work at THT Bloodstock is that it's pre-purchase evaluations. I mean, mm. you know, the horse sales or doing evaluations, and we can we do them on site or th- or on video or both, um, yeah. but you know. Uh, but it is so important, like I always say, you can invest in a horse and, and only know uh, the physical part of the horse and kind of guess at the operating system, but you don't have to, because yeah. that's what we're here for. You know, you're, yeah. there, there there's a whole litany of information available, um, even the cursory information um, from the sensory system, the, the, how the horse is uh, interpreting its environment, what it's, what its dependencies are, what its codependencies mm-hmm. are, where it's having issues, because that's all going to be part of you know, that doesn't go away. You mm. take the horse home and you have that horse, you know, you're getting, uh, I, I, it's not a race car. You're getting the the, the car and the driver when you invest yeah. in the horse. So you might want to know as much as you can about both. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's really cool. So just say if someone was interested, because I know you, you, although you deal a lot with thoroughbreds for racing, it's just like people can contact you about if they want to buy a new show jumper or a dressage horse or a kid's pony and um and then you'll um and even if they're here in australia and you're in america or they're in the uk or europe or whatever um they can still draw on your services and would you ask them to get particular footage of a horse so if they were yes yes
1: yeah you know we've we've come a long way with video you know the last several years and, and how we utilize video and the information that we get so video is is very very um useful we can yeah. get a lot of a lot of information through video. Uh, uh, I would say eighty percent, eighty-five percent of really key information we can get just through video, yeah. which is very valuable when you're making you know an, an investment, because even if you get a free horse, horses aren't free. <laughs> so yeah. you know there's a there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot there, and it's really um, yeah we would give uh, some thoughts on what types of footage we'd like to have. Mm. As far as the, depending on the the goals of, that you have for the horse, yeah. the age of the horse, things like that, uh, as much video as possible and different things like that. But we we certainly would um, advise on which which angles, which way to do it, or you know mm. what what kind of information that we need from a video standpoint. But it's it's invaluable. Like I I can't imagine. Uh, I know I'm you know obviously I'm uh, sp- speaking from my point of view, but I can't imagine why you wouldn't why you wouldn't inv- spend you know, thousands of dollars or, or more uh, on, on, an, on a horse and only get the, uh, a, a part of the information. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like I, um, you know, I just say a couple of weeks ago, I was working with a horse. It was a really top show horse. Like it was a really well-performing top show horse, but it couldn't be, it couldn't compare, compete and keep its emotional self together in certain environments which happen to be big shows so it was a top performing quality horse that just couldn't do what it needed to do and work in a place now I know that they could and they could nurture it and they could bring that on but you know when this is someone's livelihood of showing horses or whatever they don't necessarily have that time except you, you don't you don't and, and you car. need
1: it right it, right and you need to have you know, d- depending on what your goals are and where you are you know what you're looking to to uh, purchase and what kind of partnership you'd like to have with your horse that that certainly plays into the evaluation yeah. process and yeah. and to that point I, I wanted to mention you know um, I'm going to actually talk about this in one of my upcoming uh, YouTube shows I have mm-hmm. it listed but I'll, we'll talk about it here uh, ahead of that you know, when a training a horse is, is the, the physical training part of the horse, excuse me, is really run through the group herd dynamic of the horse and the, there's the group herd dynamic and there's the individual herd dynamic. The group herd dynamic is the part of the horse that is just what it says. It is it is what deals with the outside environment mostly. It's, it's the horse and how it relates to everything around it. And yeah. it's interpreted, interpreted it's, it's more of a, a kind of an environmental type of thing, yeah. if you will. And then the individual, the individual herd dynamic is the competitive aspect of the horse, the focus part of the horse and how it handles stress under competition. So when we're when we're physically training a horse, whether it's in thoroughbred racing or new flat racing or you know for dressage or whatever the case may be, venting, okay, we are really coaching and training the horse through the group herd dynamic mm. because of the environment and you know, everything that goes in with that, what we're not doing is we're not mentally preparing the horse for the individual hard dynamic challenges and demands that a competition will draw from. Yeah. And so therefore, we're physically, you know, training the horse, we're physically developing the horse, and yet we're not necessarily challenging the psycho the psychology of the horse. Yeah. And so that's a big problem because now. It's like, like on a racetrack, hey, the horse looks great in the morning. It goes out in the afternoon for the races, and it looks like, uh, You know, yeah. it just doesn't want to run. Mm. It's like, what is this? That's because in the morning, you're running, you're training through the GHD. In the afternoon, the competitions run through the IHD, and you have not nurtured that part okay. of the horse. And you, it's, it's the same thing, high-level
0: competition. Oh, go the herd dynamics. Um, yeah. That, the herd, the natural herd dynamic, the group dynamic. The group yeah. herd dynamics. Yeah. You so just, what, yeah. Sorry, you just used an acronym for the group herd dynamics.
1: Yeah, G H D I H D. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're I have fine. my, I have was my own
2: something.
1: After, after 20 years, I have my own language cat. <laughs> yeah.
2: Good. I'm learning it slowly.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but so what we do is and, and I do for a lot in their clinics, is we want to do mental stimulus programs that engage the IHD part of the horse mm. and you need to incorporate that into your physical training programs because if you don't you're just doing part of the horse so then you know this leads itself into uh, even more loud expressions of, of, of separation anxiety because mm. now the group part dynamic was functional you change the environment and you're asking the IHD to take more control yeah. Well, now it's becoming more of an individual. So now they're now the separation from the GHD. So what's happening is the, the horse is generally separating himself or herself from themselves, from the separate okay. from the different dynamic. So their their world is harmonized through the GHD through the group herd yeah. dynamic in their normal environment. Mm-hmm. And when you remove that, they have to find harmony through the individual herd yeah. dynamic aspect. Yeah. And a lot of horses have a very, very difficult time doing it. So separation anxiety is really based upon many different factors, but it really is rooted in the individual psychology because it goes from where I was comfortable to where I'm not comfortable.
4: Yeah, you
1: know, and and that can be in the same environment because I'll give you an example. You can you can have um, be with a couple of friends that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Okay. And in, in your home or in your backyard or whatever, you're having a picnic mm. and someone shows up that brings anxiety, that throws a monkey wrench into the harmony of, of the environment. Mm. And it changes everything, you mm. know, even though you're home or, and you're in a comfort zone, you can still have um, a little bit of detachment from your harmony where you just don't yeah. feel quite right. Cause you know, what's this person going to say? What are they going to do? You know, yeah. they're, they're coming in with a whole different vibe. Um, So that is another form of separation anxiety because it's, it's a separation from comfort is what it really is.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Hey, I have to ask you, Kat, is this making you go Roger, Roger? So Kat's horse, Roger,
2: what have you found out in this chat so far about Roger? Well, I'm like, well, what can I, how can we teach horses for their individual herd dynamics? Like how can we like improve on those and stretch those? Like what kind of exercises do you do?
1: So for the individual, uh, the IHD to, to, to really work and nurture that, um, like, like you're talking about maybe in an, in an arena or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're in, in a ring or in an arena, I like to use uh, target focus points yeah. and, and mental, mental interpretive challenges. So challenges that make the horse stay focused on individual targets, but maybe in sequence you know, laying over rails. But it's it's not just the the stimulus, it's the speed at which the horse is being asked to interpret it. You don't want the horse to to be operating at a speed that allows their mind to go aloof, to go to dip Mm. back into the GHD. You want to to really hone and chisel the, the focus onto a point. And then when you're able to do that, you want to introduce another point and another point and another point of interest that keeps the horse focused. So really it's about extending the time of focus.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's I not agree.
1: really about, you know, it's the, the, the distance is, is what it is. And if race horses, for example, but it, the physical distance can be extended if the psychological time of focus is extended. Yeah. You know, so how, so holding the horse's focus for a long period of time without creating anxiety On something that he is able to that if give us something that Roger can interpret properly and then give him another thing to interpret properly and then change the speeds and that will help nurture that. That will help nurture that. So for me my
2: Yeah, yeah. For me my problem would be finding things that he could interpret that he doesn't run away from. Because he like if I introduce new things, he would shy at them and spook at them. So he's really sensitive to
0: changes, minute changes in his environment. Like there can be a barrel that's just been put out in the, mm-hmm. or oh, someone working on a telegraph pole down the road and Roger's very uh, instantly like aware that? of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So he's hypersensitive.
0: Yeah, very hypersensitive, easily triggered. But Kat, you found out, so Kat's found, I think, the and, and Roger's been going, he's really quite transformed with a number of things that Kat's done. Um, but one of it is, he thrives on regular work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so He likes, that, he likes that continuity. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, so Kat went through, I think he, probably not at the
2: moment he's being very busy with his studies and everything, but you write I it all the day. I have got housekeeping and work for me at the moment, so that's very handy.
1: <laughs> it, it is, it is, yeah. Well, you know, if, if, I, if I have a chance to get over there and, and to work with, work with you and Roger one-on-one, we would uh, put together a, a mental stimulus obstacle course for him mm, yep. uh, and, and based upon the, the the evaluation we would do it, do it we, we would map his sensory system because that's part of the one of the services that we have a sensory mapping of the yeah. horse yeah so we would sensory map the horse and then we would build a program fitted to his psychological aspects that we could work to extend that focus and kind of minimize we're not you, you like it's 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 folly to think that you can erase those things
3: but yeah, we want,
1: yeah. we want to assuage the the uh, impact we want to soften the blow if you will mm. and then kind of minimize as much as possible the uh, the effect of how long it takes him off task because he probably you probably find i would have to guess that he has to refocus and reengage if he's interrupted like that uh, you have to finally, if he gets off task, he has to refocus and dial back in to get back on task. Uh, yeah. And that can be very, mm-hmm. so that, that that is a psychological interruption that creates a physical disruption. Mm. So okay. th- what you're seeing is the, the physical disruptions you're seeing are frustrating, but it's preceded long before that with the, with the psychological interruption. And yeah. that is coming from interpreting the environment. And that is coming from the speed of interpretation there's a lot of layers to that
4: yeah so yeah. what
1: i what i would do with first thing i would do is i would identify the rate of of a century interpretation the psychosentry, yeah. to identify how fast he's actually interpreting the environment so and how, then we could we could build upon that
0: yeah sorry kerry can you give us an example of um just an example of how you would test that or assess that so what would you challenge him with what would you challenge well, I mean,
1: him with? If, it's kind of case by case you know yeah but um I, I would find I would go through the I would go around the horse and do my assessment and have the horse walk and I would do the things that we do on the basic cursory testing
4: yeah
1: without putting stress I do it I start off with the horse standing still so I don't want him to be moving to add the added stress of physical motion and then I'm the only one moving around the horse you know we kind of go from there <clears throat> um, one of the ways I test that is a horse walking towards me if you've ever seen any of my pictures or videos or whatever yeah. I'm, I'm usually yeah. down on one knee
0: yes, <laughs> because, yes.
1: <laughs> I so know. that I, I do that for a specific reason it's not because i have uh, uh, not because i'm tired but because mm-hmm. i want to change as the horse approaches me the angle changes yeah okay. for his interp- the interpretation so i want to see if if how he is how his physical speed changes even at a walk their pace will change yeah, okay. so if a horse is having a, a difficult time interpreting something and they're moving at whatever rate of speed they're moving at, uh, that will change. That will alter, mm-hmm. and 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 then their posture will change. The tail mm-hmm. will flick. The ears will change. It'll be very subtle things. So I, I do it slowly at first, so we don't have a, a loud outburst of the mm-hmm. horse and getting too stressed out and kicking or okay. wanting to run off.
0: Yeah.
1: I look for subtle changes, but that's one of the my one of the ways I test it is is the forward uh, walk towards
0: me. Yeah, and you exactly. watch what they do. Mm-hmm. You watch speed. You watch the way that they move away and things like that probably as well.
1: Watch their posture. I, I, I also, yes, and I also approach the horse and I have the horse identify me. Know I'm there.
0: Mm-hmm. Some
1: horses pretend they don't know you're there, but you can tell when, when they know you're there.
4: Yeah.
1: I usually touch them on you know the withers or sometimes uh, just on the soft part of the nose, which is my favorite part of the horse, touching mm-hmm. the nose. I can't help myself. I have to kiss the nose. I can't help it. <laughs> but... <laughs> And once I do that, then I, I back away and I move around the sphere of their body. Mm. And I want to see how where, how far I go before they either uh, stay with me or, or release me from that sentry aspect. Yeah, okay. That also tells you about the speed of interpretation and how long they're hanging on to it.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. And then um, what would a particular program be like? So um, give me an example of what something... A, an example of an activity within a program you might target to target a particular weakness and or draw on a strength to help a weakness?
3: Hmm.
1: There's a lots of different things. I guess um, I'll go back to the arena because we do this a lot in our clinics. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so if I have a horse that has, for example, has a, a difficult time interpreting Uh, what's on the ground and it's always has a hard time stepping over the rails and it's always clipping the rails and things like that and you know it's not a big deal but it is actually a big deal because you have to change the speed to to get them to uh, you know if they're looking down at it okay Mm. that's going to actually if if you're looking down you have more of a chance of falling believe it or not you know it's kind of like you're if you're looking down you're walking slower Mm. um, and those you're trying to watch where you're walking and you're you're probably going to fall in that hole if you're trying not to yeah. When in, in reality, you want to kind of synchronize and harmonize the sentry system with the physical movement. So okay. what I'll do with a horse, for example, that's having an issue clipping rails. If you're having an issue clipping rails, you're probably having an issue clipping the rails have a jump yeah. you know, over your yeah. jumps because you're not. It, so we put them all on the ground so where no one has to be you know, risking any kind of injury but we also want to use these in like the railroad sequence where they're mm-hmm. maybe a, a couple beats apart or I said that's what I use a couple beats or a couple steps if you if you will apart yeah. uh, and then we change the speed and what I'll do is I'll have the rider not look at the ground do mm-hmm. not look at the rails you have to be past that if you're not past that your horse is not going to be past that so at the other end of the arena i'll have either myself as a target or a cone or something or maybe the neighbor's dog sitting there but a target at the end that's stationary Mm. to draw the attention and before the horse goes through the sequence of rails whether it's three four or five rails to go over yeah make sure that both rider and horse i will wave my hand or do something at the end of the arena
3: Mm. so
1: the horse has my focus and when the horse has my focus at a distance because that's what it's good at. So yeah. what I call a, what I call DTF. I have a horse that's good at distance target focus. We call that DTF for short. Yeah. So I'm gonna use that to pull him through this issues on uh, the ground. I
4: say, yeah, I can say, so yeah. I'll
1: get him to focus on that. And then he kind of, so he'll recognize the ground without over focusing on it
4: mm. yeah. and
1: by adjusting the speed. And then after a few times through all of a sudden we're going through those rails like there's nobody's business and you're using the strength of target focus to overcome the weakness of, of the ground mm. the te- that tendency to want to look down and and not know how high to pick up your feet Yep. Yeah. because in a show jump you know you're you got to be over the next rail uh the next jump as you're approaching the first jump because you mm-hmm. got to make that turn and you know yeah uh, you jump you got to turn jump again and you know, you're going all around the, the the design you know the diagonals and whatnot so you know, you actually have to be past those jumps. Um, ah, the first, the second jump. You know, you're you're on the second jump while you're going over the first jump, kind of yeah. thing. So, in order to, in order to do that effectively, you have to elevate the horse's focus forward.
0: Yeah. And so, very fascinating. Look at that. That is uh, such clever um taking training to like a really another level of really understanding the senses and yeah the processing ability and actually going in and targeting them that's really fascinating Kerry well
1: Kerry. The, the, what I find is is most useful to get to optimize physical talent is to yeah. really massage and develop the the psychological strength of the horse yeah the interpretive strength because the body, horses are athletic I don't mean all horses are athletes to, to some yeah. extent you are know, they're, they're, they're born athletes, so. If they're not psychologically athletic, then it's not going to matter that much. Yeah. And so if you, especially if you're investing, you, you want to invest in, yes, you're going to get the right breed and you're going to get the right shoulder angle and the hip and yeah. so on and so forth. But if you're not investing in the psychological athlete,
3: mm.
1: then you're only investing in part of the athlete, part of the horse. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the, you, you have to nurture that. So I like to build the horse from the mind through the body. Yep. You know, I like to coach the horse's psychology
3: mm-hmm. and
1: then the body, the body will can be trained, you know, we can go out and jog, Yeah. <laughs> but I want, I want to, and we can strengthen your physical, the physical yeah. horse. We have to strengthen the, the acuity of the psychological horse mm. to optimize that.
0: Yeah. Build. And I really love that because that's really what your work really draws attention to is this kind of, part of the horse and look i'll admit I, I focus on that in in my training is their whole emotional and mental aspect mm-hmm. that's why i was so yeah. drawn to your work i had cottoned on to that but you kind of take it to another level which is really exciting like that's really really fascinating to see that you can actually switch into those um now i what i'd like is this is a practical example that just got me thinking because i always knew that was something you know some horses were funny about just say they're working in an arena and the light shining through causing light and dark so shadows and bits of sun coming through okay.
2: and yeah. you'll get
0: that horse and it will be one out of ten that will be concerned about that um mm-hmm. the shadow the light and the dark and they'll jump over it or they'll step over it or they'll stop and stare at it yeah so yeah. This is a bit of an example because I think that, and when I first read your stuff and listened to it, it's like, okay, that's a real, that's an example that I think everyone can relate to. That's a sensory soundness issue. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. and it's a bit of a common, and, or even like wet and dry arena that's been, just say, sprinkled, mm-hmm. and it might be dark or it's been wet, and the horse will be funny about that. That's actually yeah. a real classic centuries and that's what i realized reading your stuff it's like that's a great example of that so can you give me because i got a way that i work horses through it by just being patient and letting them practice Mm -hmm. it basically do you have any any tips for that do you have any tips for that or a bit more insight into what that is
1: well you know it it, really you, you have to kind of work through the to the assimilation process you know and so you have to find out like if if it's a surface related issue or the shadow issue or things like that,
4: yeah,
1: um, it really does take patience, and and, and your approach is, is is very accurate because it takes patience. You have to you have to kind of layer it through the associative aspect. Yeah. So you can you can kind of you, to try to go run through that fence headlong is, is going to just cause problems. So you have to right. kind of go around that fence, if you will, that barrier, that psychological barrier, but not dramatically. So yeah. you can I, I use I like to use associative stimulus, yeah. So to create a a positive through that, like you know, some kind of a positive um, yeah. comfort zone. I yep. always offer the horse a, a, a comfort escape zone. So okay.
0: can you give a, us an example? Can you give us an example? Um, <laughs> I know. It's um, so you, like, ha- you, have, to, you
1: yeah. have to have me over there, and, and we can we can work through these together. Well, you know, an example I would say, like for a horse that kind of shies to maybe, you okay. know, I have a, here's a good example. I had a horse that was shying from an open space in in, in the rail.
4: Yeah. So
1: it would go around the racetrack, and then where the where the, you know, we're come around a turn where the straightaway kind of met was that open space mm-hmm. right there. there. Was no rail, so the horse would be doing great as long as the rail is there, but then it would kind of fall into that hole, you mm-hmm. know, once the rail got there and kind of lose its forward focus, and it would have to kind of, you know find itself again, you know? Yeah. And one of the ways that we worked through that was through practice is to have him uh, run in the middle of the track
3: Yeah.
1: and then go to the right, kind of zigzag from the right rail back yeah. to the left rail, to the right yeah. rail, to the left rail, so that, and then back to center again, so that he had to identify where the left rail was, mm. go into open space in the center, go in, you know, yeah, for the okay. right rail. Basically, we're zigzagging back and forth and, and yeah. getting the sentry system to create its own barrier, its its yeah. own comfort, you
0: yeah. know,
1: finding a comfort zone. So he was very comfortable on one side of the, with the rail being there, but not very comfortable in the middle of the racetrack. Yeah. Okay. So I would yeah. get him in the middle of the racetrack for a while. And then when then when the anxiety started to k- kind of kick in, we would go to the rail
0: mm.
1: and then he'd find that was his comfort escape route. Yeah. And then we would come back, Then when he would hit Harmony again, we'd go back out into the middle of the racetrack. Yeah. so by by doing that i was offering a uh, an avenue of mental escape if you will into yeah. a mental comfort zone
0: yeah but and i didn't so- let
1: him stay there I, I he had to he had to get comfortable and then come back to task
0: yeah and so yeah. after time he just got he got better and better at it you know because he yes. knew he was and, and after, go after back a little bit of time it's, it's
1: gonna- like oh okay whatever where, where do you want me to go <laughs>
0: it's, it's yeah. Okay. yeah but
1: that's just an example of like i always try to have <clears throat> excuse me i always tell folks to create a. Uh, a comfort escape zone, some some place yeah. where the horse can get to that's mentally comfortable for them. Yeah. But find mental rhythm and harmony again with their environment. And then once you have that, you know, mind to body fluency and the harmony, you know, and, and the physical cadence and the and the psychological rhythm are matching, then you can go back into the task at hand that was giving yeah. you some issues. Yeah. But yeah. never want to overdo it. You have to know when to say when.
0: Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah.
1: But yeah, uh, at the same time, um you can work through it, but you just have to work through it in unison with, with, mm. you know, uh, comfort, like, like a little kid uh, with training wheels. Okay. We're going to, we're going to keep the training wheels on and I am going to take them off for a little, a few feet, but don't worry. We're going to put it back on again, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and so you kind of, get it basically, you kind of like, okay, I can do this. I only got to do this for a few 10, 10 feet. And they're going to put the training wheels back on, but it's kind of yeah. that, that type of rhythm, you know, that in and out
0: from, yeah. from stress to comfort. Yeah, I always find, so just say an example that I use that fits in perfectly for that, I'll find the horse's comfort zone within an arena, like it's happy working in this space, mm-hmm. and then you stretch it out into, yeah. like, the say, comfort zone's the green end of the arena, yeah. might be at the gate, might be close to the stables and everything. Yeah, we work here, we establish, we get focused, we get here. Then we'll stretch it back here, and then we come back to the comfort yeah, zone, that's, like you that's... come back to the green. And eventually that green zone, you push that the whole way, yeah. You just create it's kind, of, it's kind of like
1: work, working with a yo-yo. It's like you, yeah. it's like a yo-yo. Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. cool. Oh, Kerry, this has been a great chat and um, we're going to have some more chats. <laughs> going to chat yeah, yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up there because I think we've covered so many cool, um, extra cool aspects that I think really gonna really super interest people. So I'll stop there because we can just keep talking and talking and talking. Is,
1: yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to just do it again sometime.
0: Oh, yeah. we will. We've already booked you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's really, be- really, really, really beautiful. So um, we'll finish up there and um, you have a good night and um, we'll have a good days. And yeah, cat. Kat's on our way back to Melbourne. Are you actually over the border yet? Are you still in New South Wales?
2: I yeah. am like 45 minutes over the border.
0: Oh, okay, so you're back, back down in Victoria. Cool.
2: Yeah.
0: All righty, guys, so um, we'll wrap up the podcast there and um, we'll,
2: we'll chat soon. All right, thank, thank you. you. Okay, see ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Candor Therapy. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure you leave a rating and a review where you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we're at Canter Therapy Podcast. You can find Shelley on Facebook at Dr. Shelley Appleton Horse Training Coach, or she has a fantastic group called Calm, Willing, Confident Horses, where she's been doing weekly lives. If you'd like to find me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm at Forenza Park. Have an amazing week, guys, and make sure you hug your ponies.